0: And <laughs> okay, now we can start. Locked On Bulls, part
1: of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. It's
2: Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 score scope. Yep, where is he? And he's right over there, Bill. Did Matt Peck, Peck get a signed copy of that book?
0: No, Matt Peck, he didn't. He didn't know, you no. Know, I'll talk to D. Rose.
2: Yeah, you got Matt, <laughs> you. <laughs> well, you will be getting your book soon. <laughs> Left side three. Remy. Remy. Got it. Remy, turn around jumper. Got it. Onions. Baby onions. Kobe White,
0: put him in the Hall of Fame. Locked on Bulls starts now. You can just see the
1: vibe. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck.
0: Right now, we are very pleased to welcome to Locked On Bulls somebody that we've been meaning to have on for a while. A buddy of mine who does amazing work for NBC Sports Chicago.com. And also, if you haven't already, download that NBC Sports My Teams app to get all of his great content covering the Bulls beat here in Chicago. He is Rob Schaefer. You can also catch him making regular appearances on NBC Sports Chicago's Bulls Talk podcast with our guys, Jason Goff. Tony Gill, Casey Johnson, as well as a great group of guests that they have coming through that podcast. You can follow him on Twitter if you aren't already at Rob underscore Schaeff. That's S C H A E F. Rob, it's so great to have you on the podcast finally, man. How you doing?
1: Yeah, it's great to be on. I don't think I could ever promote myself as well as uh, as you just did right there. So I appreciate that. Um, (laughs) This this one, as you know, has been on my bucket list. So yeah, it's good to be here. Good to chat. Well.
0: We're, uh, we're happy to have you, man. I hope you've been well. It feels like forever since the last time I saw you at the studio back in March. I mean, honestly, it feels like a lifetime. I know Bulls fans are all kind of anxiously awaiting to hear what exactly the schedule for the 2020 slash more like 21 NBA season is going to be because there's so much excitement for having such a long, abnormal you know, off season that we're we're slogging through. Now we're at least getting this this voluntary mini camp. We're seeing some pictures and some videos of the Bulls teammates working out together at the Advocate Center over the last forty eight hours. That's been really cool to see. Uh, but of course, the big news of the past week has been AK surprising everyone, I think, by immediately snagging up Billy Donovan after his uh, separation. From the Oklahoma City Thunder. Were you as surprised as I was that that's the guy that the Bulls got?
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, I think it was surprising to everyone. It sounds like talking to Billy Donovan yesterday on on that, um, you know, over hour long press conference. It sounds like he was kind of surprised, too. Uh, He said that when he parted ways with Oklahoma City, he I mean, he hadn't even thought about the next step yet, much less the Bulls job specifically. Um, And then there's AK uh, on the phone dialing him up. I I think literally the next day when you do the math out um, and like look at the calendar and try to map out uh, the timeline that Donovan was describing. Um, And then obviously they interview, there's phone calls and with Jerry and Michael Reinsdorf too. Uh, And then, you know, within two weeks the part ways with OKC, he's the Bulls coach. Um, It was certainly surprising because after that initial flurry of linkage where Woj was like, okay, they're expected to show interest. Um, his name kind of melted away and it seemed like he was linked to all these other jobs that, you know, we've talked about this a lot on on our podcast. I've written about it um, that on paper, you know, for a coach of the stature, Billy Donovan, you just would think would be more desirable, more win now um, situations. You know, he dispelled that a little bit yesterday when he was talking. He said actually what attracted him to the Bulls was the ability to partner with Arturis Karnashovas and the rest of the new look front office and, and build something um in Chicago so I think Bulls fans had to love to hear that um but yeah I mean I was definitely surprised um and I don't feel bad about being surprised because it kind of sounded like Billy Donovan was surprised too and it sounded like Arturis Karnashovas was surprised that he was even made available um but you know hard not to be excited and optimistic about the end result even if we don't know when we are going to actually be able to see this team uh play outside of you know you know the Bulls' Twitter account tweeting out uh, a Lowry made contested three, which is always good to see, but <laughs> hard to take too much away.
0: Right, and, and Archie Hack and Kobe White apparently. Uh, but oh, it's i funny, the, the, to ask them about that. You know. <laughs> Archie, one of the one of these uh, Bulls players that has a, a long-standing relationship with Billy Donovan, he was uh, recruited by Billy in his high school days, along with Wendell Carter Jr., which is crazy to think about. Uh, but I think you know the the thing that. Bulls fans are now learning about AK is he certainly has a method of doing things and he's played everything pretty close to the chest so far but I feel like Bulls fans are just trying to readjust their brains to how we follow this team and figure out what's going on because the fan base has this feeling of like a lover scorned. you know, like we're, we're, you know, we're, we're easily shook. We're easily broken. And we have trust issues after everything we went through in the Gar packs regime. So when there was just like this long, like empty silence, when Jim Boylan was still this team's head coach, we were like, what's going on? Oh my God, nothing's actually changed. We're all doomed. This is all the same shit. And then with the coaching search, it was like, well, I could, I guess we're looking at these assistant coaches. What's going on? Like, I think there's just like a new way of doing things. and at times it might be like an impatient and and uh, nervous fan base that feels like we can't easily trust somebody again. But we just have to see like, hey, AK's got his methods, and he clearly figured out who he wanted. And the fact that like he called Donovan immediately and was like, "Hey, can I come see you like Friday?" And Donovan was like, "Dude, give me the weekend." And then and then AK and Eversley <laughs> yeah. show up at his store at nine a.m. on Monday. Like this dude is clearly laying out a plan and executing it to a T.
1: No means he means business. That that is for sure. And I just think the significance of him being able to sell Donovan on the Bulls' vision um, is significant. I mean. That's what Billy said yesterday as he was talking to us. Um, he talked a lot about how what he was looking for was a positive working relationship. He likes to like the people he works with. He likes to trust the people he works with. He likes to collaborate the people he works with. I mean, that's all echoing so much of what we've heard from Arturis Karnashova since he was hired. Um, so the fit, I mean, even though I think a lot of us assumed AK or... Uh, Mark Eversley might go the route of someone that they had worked with before for the head coaching position. I mean, that wouldn't be the most out of left field for, thing for a new front office to do. Um, that's pretty typical. Um, but they showed kind of uh, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? A willingness to jump out of their comfort zone, um, a willingness to just kind of locate the best talent available. I think those are the words um, that Karnashovas used yesterday when talking about how he approached the coaching search. Um, and then just go out and get him. I mean, and, and it, yeah, it is true. He has kind of exhibited this uh, playing things close to the best approach. Um, I like to imagine that he has like all these burner accounts and he's actually just watching Bulls fans drive themselves insane, you know, for this right. four or five months that Jim Boylan is still in place. <laughs> and then the coaching surgeon, they just watching him spin themselves in circles. And then, you know, he's like, I got this at the end of it all. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, we haven't seen games yet, so there's no way to really make any final determinations here. Um, but again, like just when you look at the perspective of it, um, the most accomplished candidate on the market and someone that nobody, you know, really seemed to think that the bulls would have a shot at, um, or would even, you know, based on the history again, um, have interest in chasing a big name, big money candidate like that, but they shelled out. Um, they went, they pitched hard and they got their guy. So, um, I don't think I, you know, maybe it's not a home run, you know, there are critiques about maybe he's a little bit too over lenient with players, maybe the playoff track record, Um, isn't as great as the regular season, yada, yada, yada. Like We go down that list. But the thing about the Bulls right now is they're just looking for competency. They're looking to be put back together. Um, And I don't think there's any doubt when you look at all the context behind this hire that you couldn't say it's not uh, a solid one based on all that. Right.
2: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league
0: I think the thing that Bulls fans can be most excited about right now, and you know, we, we could talk about the the roster and the pieces and what we might expect AK and Eversley and Donovan to do in that regard a little bit later. But just from the what AK has shown this fan base already is two pronged to me: the ability to sell ownership on spending to get the right people, himself included, because we know AK didn't come cheap, and the fact that he has been able to sell to ownership. Let's go get the most expensive available coach on the market right now. And also the fact that both of these hires in Eversley and Donovan are guys that AK did not have a pre-existing professional relationship with. It's not It's not like he just plucked Udoka because now Eversley's here. It's not like he just plucked Wes Unsell Jr. because of the Denver connection. He was able to sell ownership on spending money to get the right people, and he was able to sell those right people, despite the fact that this is a team three years into a a rebuild that appears to be going nowhere. And the job, certainly, when you were ranking them, and I believe you guys did it on one of your Bulls Talk podcasts, you guys were talking about like where does the Bulls job rank as far as the most desirable jobs and all these vacancies right now, pretty much at the bottom of the list. So AK yeah, is displaying yeah. to the fan base already his ability to sell ownership and sell people outside of this franchise to come be a part of what he's working on.
1: Yeah. And sell the bulls. I, I think that I think in press conferences that aspect of, oh, I want to, you know, be the bull savior. I want to rebuild this brand and this this um iconic franchise back to its uh you know loftier heights of yesteryear. I think maybe that gets a little bit, you know, um tried out there for for fans and for the sentimental aspect of it, but um, the ability to draw on that I think is uh, significant too. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just, it really does seem like a new leaf um, in every aspect uh, in terms of just the way the Bulls do business, the way the Bulls um, construct the inner workings of their organization, the way that um, the Bulls are able to, to bring people in. Cause this whole last year, um, what was a big topic of conversation? It was, you know, if Jim Boylan is your head coach, what does that mean in free agent conversations? You know, just as an example, like right. what is the Bulls reputation around the league after some of the pitfalls um, of the Derrick Rose era? Um, like, I, I remember when um, Thad Young, you know, voiced his displeasure. Um, initially, it was kind of there, there was a there was a train of thought. And I think it was uh, a reasonable one of, oh, my God, if you can't even bring the absolute consummate veteran, veteran professional in Thad Young in here without him, you know, blowing up within a month, a month and a half. asking for a trade
0: within uh, a month of being on the
1: team. (laughs) And I think that just shows you where the Bulls were. Um, And then, you know, you look at it now when they're pitching and bringing in all of these highly respected names, um, kind of defying the odds and defying history, um, or their own history, um, to to make these kinds of moves. I, I think that's just such a stark contrast from where we were a year ago before we even get to the way that Billy Donovan talks about um, his own coaching philosophies and player development philosophies and things like that, um, compared to past uh, past Bulls coaches. I mean, Jim Boylan specifically, because that's the most recent um, that we saw this past year. Before we even get to that, we're looking at a really stark contrast from where the Bulls were last year to where they were right now. Um, you know, Again, I, I have to qualify everything I say with there still hasn't been a game played yet. Right. Um, I don't want to fall into the same traps we fell into last offseason where, oh, this is the 7-8 seed guaranteed, so much talent on this team. And I think it's easy to forget kind of how much actual um, work the players on the floor needed. Cause we haven't really seen them play up close and personal in six months. Uh, 22 right. in team, you know, still a lot of work to be done. Um, but that contrast is definitely the most revealing and, and exciting thing about all the moves that have been made.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely agree with you in that, like, yes, w- it's great that we're all excited and optimistic about this, but we still have to see the basketball on the floor. But at least these are actual changes. Whereas, like, you know, yeah. Boylan coming in for a fresh season after a half a season, I was, I was not on the maybe seventh or eighth seed bandwagon. I thought it was going to blow up the way that it did and not in a good way. Oh, um, but I yeah. think like the thing that is that was most, um, almost relieving. For the fans to hear yesterday, in and the media rounds that Ak and Donovan were making, and that Donovan speaking again earlier this morning on the two sports talk radio stations in our in our city of Chicago, is that all the things they were saying were were based in logic and reason. And when you talk about some of the things that the fan base had to listen to over the past couple of years, whether it was and it goes back to even stuff that you were talking about with the perception of this team and the franchise around the league. And John Paxson saying on radio, like, well, I don't care what the perception is of our team around the league. All we care about is what we're doing inside our own building. And we believe in what we're doing in our own building. And if people are saying these things, that's not our problem. And there's nothing we can do about it. And I'm tearing my hair out at that saying, no, no. And then Jim Boylan saying, when the team's 20 games under 500, well, we've installed a system. I like that we've installed a system. The system is broken and you're not changing it. And then yesterday to just hear simple, logical fact and reason, I was like, it was like I finally got to let go of a sneeze I was holding in for two years.
1: Yeah, I thought where you were going to go with the the Jim Boylan, but was when he said that uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but when he said that wins and losses aren't how he's being evaluated or something like that. And I, right. you know, like that's just another one where it's like, that just,
0: think about free agents. Well, it's like, well, if they don't want to come here, then maybe they're not the players that we want playing in our organization. And it's like, dude, don't say things yeah. like that. And then you, and then you hear Karnashova
1: say yesterday, and he was candid about it. Um, He said, you know, we didn't need any convincing that Billy Donovan is a coach of, you know, high reputation and accomplished and could do good things for this franchise. Like, We went in having to pitch him like that is an awareness that um, Karnaschovas has, probably because he was just pitched by the same organization. It's just so funny to think that all of these uh, people are coming in fresh at the exact same time. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out, especially because, you know, even as uh, the Bulls are together for this mini camp um, and it's kind of this another sigh of relief of, OK, they're actually under the same roof and able to um, kind of work with each other, you know, get to know each other, all the chemistry camaraderie stuff. Even with that, Billy Donovan's obviously not going to be there, so there is a um, an aspect where we're going to need to wait to see um, how that relationship evolves and how they work together and collaborate and um, and things like that. Um, but yeah, to to hear that that candor, um, I think is is huge. Um, just the the awareness. Um and I forgot I, I forgot where I was going with that. What was what was the initial point that you were making just there? I, I forgot where just, I was going.
0: Just the, just that like the, the sense of relief yesterday to hear things that were yeah. just like facing reality and then talking logistically through the reality that we're in.
1: Yeah. And and uh, yeah, that's exactly right. And and um I think I can take a little responsibility for this cuz I tweeted uh out Billy Donovan's full quote where he went where he walked through kind of the logic behind Oklahoma city's um, mid-range offense.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: (laughs) I think, I think I made a mistake there because I framed it hastily as, you know, analytics versus playing to player strengths. Like that would, that's what he was talking about. And there was a little bit of framing in that, like that, that was kind of how he framed his answer. I don't think that that's necessarily correct in the sense of actually analytics. When you look at the holistic picture of it, you know, it's not just numbers on a page. Like there is right. a film, com- there's a film room component to it. There's a talking to players component to it. Um, there's you know all these different layers, and really the ultimate goal of it is to marry player skill and talent and what benefits the team and what can be translated and, and things along those lines. But so the, the framing was maybe a little bit off. But the actual message of what he's saying is just so different from the kind of I, I mean it, th- that word has just become the boogeyman in Bulls world. It seems like right. because of of how it seemed to be bastardized in the previous era of like, maybe analytics isn't the right word, but the Bulls were just so rigid and stuck in systems of play last year. And it right. at times felt like those systems were being valued over the players themselves. Um, and, you know, they don't have to come in and, you know, post up a million times and only shoot mid-range jumpers next year and things like that. But just the levels and the the in-depth nature of which Donovan was talking about what player development actually means and what building a team-wide style of play actually means. Um, it sounds like there's just going to be a lot more interplay between the coaching staff and the players. That's going to be a collaborative process. Um, I think it's worth looking at how his past teams played in Oklahoma City, um, but I don't necessarily think there's much we can infer um actually based on each individual season style of play because the one takeaway if you really go watch old Oklahoma City Thunder games or or look at you know different things like their shot distribution or their you know play types that they were um, you know prone to that the actually the biggest takeaway is that they were kind of an ever evolving um, kind of system there like there was no one rigid thing that people had to fit into it was more all right let's assess the roster all right 2019-20 we had nine new players come in let's scratch it all. Let's start from, you know, the drawing board um, right. and see what's going to work best for players here. And that worked for them. So yeah. I think, um, yeah, so I, I just think that's good. That malleability, that adaptability is going to serve the Bulls a lot better than, um, than what has been going on for the last, I mean, year specifically, that's what I've seen up close, but really even before
0: that we'll have more with rob schaefer of mbc sports chicago just a second first wanted to tell our listeners about built bar the new and improved built bar now even deliciouser than ever 18 amazing check out six new flavors they have on deck including caramel brownie cookies and cream cherry barcia lemon almond cheesecake carrot cake and apple almond crisp plenty of non-nut flavors out there as well for anybody with a nut allergy the built bar is great for the health conscious sports fan lose or maintain weight while indulging a delicious treat the built bar is low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber all the stuff you want not too much of the stuff you don't want great for the keto diet take for example the peanut butter bar here's the flavor profile 19 grams of protein just 180 calories only 5 grams of sugar and only 5 grams of net carbs and right now if you go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on you'll get ten dollars off your next order that's again promo code locked on for ten dollars off at builtbar.com
2: the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Yeah, I think that's a a big change that the fan base can look forward to in this shift from Boylan's rigidity to... Donovan's flexibility and fluidity with using what he has at his disposal. Because, you know, going back to what uh, we had to deal with this past season, the way I always framed it was like Jim Boylan read the first chapter of a book called Basketball Analytics for Dummies and was like, "Okay, this is what we're doing. It's like, no, dude, like you, you have to adapt to the pieces you have. And, and you, we, we saw the regression or stagnation of certain players. Where, like, we heard Kobe White tell the media, Yeah, Boylan told me in training camp, no, you're not allowed to take that midbrain shot. Wendell Carter Jr., yeah. who clearly doesn't feel comfortable stepping outside and shooting from the perimeter yet at the NBA level, looked like a non existent ghost on the offensive end because he didn't know what to do. Larry Markinan, we saw him devolve into nothing but a spot up shooter in Jim Boylan's offense. None of it made any sense. Now you t- you hear what Billy Donovan has said to the Chicago media over the last 24 hours about how he views player development and how he uses analytics as a tool, but not a be all end all to say, yeah, if this player feels comfortable taking a mid range shot and maybe even using that to open up other elements of their game, I want them taking those shots. But also a big part of player development is making a player feel confident in knowing what their role is to help the team win. And that, I think, is something that was completely absent from this team under Jim Boylan.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a fair way to put it. And uh, Zach Levine, I mean, even said he was asked pretty directly about just the mid-range shooting aspect of it. And he even said, I mean... I mean, Oklahoma said they weren't a prolific offense last year by any means, but he said that was really the wrinkle of their game that made them so tough to guard, was that there's no real, or there wasn't as much predictability of, all right, they're either pulling from deep or they're burrowing to the rim. There, There is a right. little bit of an in-between game, and I think um, the best teams and the most analytically inclined teams, I mean, when you think of um, the Warriors at the beginning of their uh, dyna- dynastic run, and even with Kevin Durant, I mean, they were one of the most uh, prolific mid-range jump shooting teams in the league. Because again, like it's a, it, analytics isn't this black and white thing. It's not this, um, you know, you either play this exact way or you know, it's um, or this exact way. Um, it, it's supposed to be an ever evolving and malleable thing, um, and I have a, I have a lot more confidence that it's going to be that under Billy Donovan. I, I'm eager I'm, I'm eager to hear kind of what he thinks even more in depth of some pieces of the Bulls roster as he gets to know them a little bit better. Um, I don't blame him for not being able to go uh, super deep on individual pieces or really have um, a style of play in mind um, that he's going to go forward with because, um, you know, like we were saying earlier, I mean, it seems like he was just as surprised to be here um, as we are all to see him here. Um. So that, that, that introductory process is still going on and it's going on from thousands of miles away. Uh, but I, I am really excited to hear what comes of those conversations with guys like Wendell, guys like Lowry, um, who, I mean, those are the two that stand out to me as their usages, like both in terms of minute load and just the actual way they were being used on the floor. Um, mm-hmm. Always raised an eyebrow for me. I think it raised an eyebrow for a lot of people. I'm just really curious to hear what, um, comes to the conversations that he has with them in terms of what are you actually comfortable doing and how can we uh, install some kind of style of play that that can maximize that and elevate that.
0: Yeah, that's uh, what I wanted to get to next. We're talking with Rob Schaefer here on Locked On Bulls. Rob of NBC Sports Chicago. Follow him on Twitter at Rob underscore um, I That's the thing I am maybe most curious to see when we finally get to see this team play, you know, five on five, real competitive NBA basketball again is how Donovan and AK kind of mesh their styles or work together to figure out what style they want to play. Because we know based on what we've seen in Denver and him saying so upon his arrival, the AK tends to prefer that more fluid, a lot of movement, a lot of ball movement, a lot of off ball player movement kind of offense. And perhaps just based on what he inherited in Oklahoma city, uh, first with you know KD and and Westbrook and then the evolution and then the mellow Paul George version of the Thunder, uh, you, you had a lot of ISO offense and then in this most recent year with you know the Chris Paul trade a lot of pick and roll heavy kind of stuff, and yeah. so those are kind and of ISO, like contrasting styles, style. yeah, and, and still a, a fair amount of ISO. So those are kind of contra- contrasting styles when you think about what Donovan was doing a lot in OKC and what De- Denver has built with their offense and what AK likes to do, how do you see that playing out based on the talent that this Bulls roster has?
1: That's a great question. And I I, I think that is an interesting point about how Donovan's teams in Oklahoma City have played. Um, and it made sense that they would be a pick-and-roll heavy, ISO heavy, um, kind of slow-it-down team because their three best players, or at least the three players that played best together, um, were all kind of ball-dominant, getting the paint point guards. That's what you know Billy was saying to Um, I think he might've said that in uh, the KC one-on-one yesterday, but to some Chicago uh, media outfit, um, he talked about that lineup configuration and how much kind of adjusting and getting players to buy, getting, you know, Dennis Schroeder and Shea Gildas Alexander and Chris Ball to buy into this new role that maybe none of them had played before in their careers. Um, And that obviously, you know, worked out splendidly uh, for them. But I I do think it's interesting though, because when you hear Billy Donovan talk in a distilled, kind of in a vacuum way about his philosophies. He also said he's someone who prioritizes kind of fluidity, ball movement, player movement. That's part of why I think he was brought into Oklahoma City in the first place was because under Scott Brooks and, you know, you have two, at the time, two of the best five or 10 players in the league, two all-time great players. Um, It kind of makes sense that it might devolve into kind of your turn, my turn. Um, But I remember at the time of Donovan being hired to Oklahoma City, that was part of the agenda behind it was getting more of a, a uh, a fluid kind of team construct and team style there um obviously you know it it goes how it goes because he has demonstrated this um willingness and ability to adapt to the rosters that he has um in terms of how this bulls team is going to play uh i think we got to see what they do in the draft because i think if they draft a lead guard um if they are If they do get a shot to take someone like LaMelo or or Killian or somebody, you know, somebody that is going to add a noticeable wrinkle and need touches within the offense, Um, it could kind of change the way that we think about this team um, entirely. Uh, But it'll be interesting. I mean, I think there's a lot to be unlocked in two guys in Kobe and Zach, who I I think could be just great and are great off ball scorers um, in their own right. I mean, they obviously both had the ball in their hands a lot this year. Uh, But both great uh, jump shooters off movement and off ball, um, fast, athletic, you know, kind of guys that can, um, you know, cut their teeth cutting as well. Um, Wendell Carter, you know, his obviously it gets beaten into the ground, but it's true. His passing ability is something that uh, can be further unlocked. Um, Outside shooting is something that can be further unlocked. Getting Lowry on the move. There are all these different things going down the line. So, I, I, again, I think, you know, trying to project specific aspects of Billy Donovan's coach teams play styles when he was in Oklahoma City probably isn't the most responsible thing to do in the world because i think the reason that they played like that is like he said he that was more of a collaboration with the specific team that he had i think that's mm-hmm. his style more than anything is the collaborative kind of we're going to construct something around the guys that we actually have in the room right now so i think that's the thing that we can project rather than a a specific um, you know play type or a style of play or anything like that um, i would hope that what happens in Chicago, especially because as the roster is constructed right now and, you know, Zach's gotten better every year and I'm high on Kobe, but there isn't one kind of dynamic playmaking guy that you can run a successful offense through right now. I mean, in terms of a lead ball handler, um, at least there isn't a proven one there yet. So I would hope that this kind of read and react fluid, um, up-tempo offense that was sold to Bulls fans and to Bulls media and to everybody at the beginning of last year. I, I would hope that something like that actualizes under Billy Donovan and Arturis Karnaschovas, so who have both seemed to value those principles. Um, and I think, you know, getting this team to play together more um, in a system like that is just it's going to elevate them all um, that much more because there isn't that one guy. There isn't that, you know, Chris Paul necessarily – um, in terms of a guy that Billy Donovan has coached before, uh, isn't that one guy yet on the roster that you can really just run everything through? Um, it's a team that gets along, you know, in the locker room at least. So I don't see why they couldn't, you know, have a kind of equal opportunity, democratic offense. There's enough talent there that if it can be pieced together, um, maybe there's something, you know, competent to be unlocked because, I mean, last season that was the problem. It was just a stagnant, you know, uninventive. Um, at times, just like really, really dreary offense to watch, um, and I think Billy Donovan comes in as you know having success with a couple different styles of play, um, and hopefully he can just unlock some stuff within that.
0: Because you brought it up, let's touch on the draft for a quick second, and then we can wrap up with another thought or two on Donovan. Uh, you mentioned you know maybe what the Bulls try to do offensively will be dictated by whether or not they take one of the the lead guards that's available in this. Most would uh, agree slightly weaker draft class compared to some of the dynamite drafts we've had in recent years, but still some interesting names out there. I believe in your most recent mock draft for NBC you had the Bulls taking the Israeli product Denny of Dia at number four. Um, Assuming that numbers you know, one, two, and three are chalk in some order of Lamelo, Anthony Edwards, and James Wiseman. Although some people are now thinking Wiseman might fall. Um, assuming Lamelo and Edwards are off the board, um, were you were you kind of doing that mock based on what you think the Bulls are going to do? Is there a difference between what you think the Bulls might do it for and what you would do? Like, is there a player that you would really love to see the Bulls add at number? Or are you maybe one of the people open to the Bulls looking to trade down in this week draft?
1: Oh, I'm certainly open to the Bulls trading down. I, I think in terms of an asset stack, and I just think um, there are just guys in that seven to ten range that if you just add to this roster would just make such a huge impact. Um, and you don't necess- and you and you can add that asset in the future. I don't know that there's a huge, you know, chasm, but anywhere from five to ten in this draft necessarily. Right. I feel like once you get in that range, there's kind of a you're taking an equal risk with any of these guys. And maybe there's some lower ones further down. Like I actually remember thinking before the lottery, like, you know, it wouldn't be so bad if the bull stuck at seven or eight and they just end up with like Devin Vassell, like what would be so bad about that? Or or maybe Isaac
0: Okoro or, you know, somebody of that ilk. Like, I I don't think Killian Hayes will slide that far, but if they can pick one of those guys who's, there's not a big difference in who you're getting between four and, and you know, eight, nine or 10, I I, you know, we clearly have seen Artur execute successful trades trading down on draft night before.
1: And unsuccessful ones, the Donovan Mitchell one. Although I, th- I think right. uh, I was listening to uh, an interview with Tim Connolly on the uh, Woj pod and uh, Tim kind of took uh, he kind of took accountability for that one. So, you know, right. sigh of relief uh, there for Bulls fans. But the the Denny mock pick, that was more of a gut feeling in terms of what I think the Bulls will do just because he plugs so many holes um, high upside. I, I actually am a little higher on him than the people that don't believe in the jump shot. I, I I think the the form is fine enough and he showed enough improvement even though it you know regressed in the playoffs um, that I think that will be a workable NBA jump shot uh, eventually. Um, and I just think he does so many things well. Now is he a jack of all trades, master of none, maybe. Um, I think that's a fair uh, critique. Mm-hmm. So that was just kind of my gut of what the Bulls would do. Um, does it differ from what I would do if they stuck at number four? Uh, I, I'm a big Lamello guy. Uh, obviously if the, it goes chalk, he wouldn't be there. Um, I, I still, I'm not, I, I wouldn't call myself an expert on a guy like Killian yet, but all of these smart draft people that I follow and talk to, um, just love the guy so much. I, I really see the need for a lead guard, um, on this roster that can set the table for others. I mean, the Bulls just have so many guys that to me, I just look at and I'm like, they're great finishers of plays, but are they initiating and creating for others. I think Lowry certainly fits in that bucket. Um, Zach, you know, took some strides on the playmaking end. He's obviously committed to continuing to work on that, Um, but he could – obviously uh benefit from having coming a dynamic in
0: or would come in as uh, a better playmaker than anybody this bulls roster has right now i mean Without know, a doubt. other than Without the, a doubt. The, the the one knock on him is that he's probably a little bit too left-hand dominant at this point and he needs to build up that right a little bit but other than that his playmaking ability from what from the tape i've watched is like coming in nba ready playmaking
1: yeah, I mean he's yeah, he's leading guys. Um, kind of the work that he does in pick and roll and that that pull up jump shot is obviously super enticing. Um, and very good omens in terms of the percentages. His free throw percentage was great. Um, it just looks natural. It looks fluid. So he even has kind of a crafty pick and roll scoring game too. And the size is great. I mean that's that's what you want in a lead playmaker. It seems the way that the NBA is evolving, you want someone that can make plays. Um, is if the guard spot if they're six foot five. Um, I mean that's just that's a great asset to have. So the more that I you know read about and watch Killian, I'm kind of like inching in that direction. Would it be a swing? Yeah, um, but I, I just do think that whether it's him, whether it's Denny, uh, whether they get lucky on Lamelo, I mean, if in the trade down option, whether it's a guy like Tyrese Hallibur and I think he's someone that plugs a lot of holes on this team too. Um, I, I just think having that playmaking and that uh, floor reading court feel. Um, just another guy like that on this roster would just be so hugely uh, beneficial. Um, so the, those are the directions I'd be looking. I'm still, you know, we're two months out, still kind of getting to know these guys. I'm not fully um, ready to commit to this is the pick that I would make if I was the Bulls. But that is certainly the, the skill type that I would be looking for because it just seems to me like that's the skill set that is missing on this roster most.
0: And getting back to Donovan as we wrap up, Rob, I think for the most part, it was a consensus optimism when you know the fan base heard the news about the Donovan hire, mostly just because it showed that AK is able to pitch people, that ownership is willing to spend to fix this, and that you're just getting a credible name. And and a guy with head coaching experience for the first time in 17 years since the Scott Skiles hire. So, for those reasons, I think there's a, a good amount of optimism and just the general, hey, at least we got rid of Jim. If there are some who are cautious about this selection in the head coaching chair, or dare I say even pessimistic, the things that they're pointing to are well, Donovan has shown that he may not be an elite X's and O's in game adjustments kind of coach, which could tell you why. Get, despite all the talent on his rosters, the Oklahoma City Thunder never quite got it done. You know they, they had a chance to get all the way to the finals in his first year before KD left. That fell apart. Uh, a lot of first-round exits in the playoffs. Uh, but then a lot of people said, well, hey, give the guy credit because what ESPN's expert gave them less than 1% chance of making the playoffs in the yeah. West this year. And they ended up as the fifth seed. I think he's shown that he's very adaptable season-to-season to adjust to whatever the talent on his roster is. We've seen him defensively make a lot of changes based on the overhaul of his roster in his five-year tenure in OKC. We've talked about what he's done differently on the offensive end based on who he's had in OKC. Are are you giving any credence to those worrying about, well, oh, the in-game adjustments aren't there and he hasn't gotten it done in the playoffs? Personally, I think that is a worry for like, not today and not tomorrow, and no not even next month, if you're the bulls, I think those are yes, you could talk about maybe there are certain shortcomings to his in game coaching, but that is like a, a you know a drop in the pail compared to the huge showering relief of actually getting a good head coach in here
1: yeah the the big picture need that the bulls you know, wanted to and should have addressed in their coach was kind of a, a culture building type of person. And it seems like he's certainly that um, I see the, I see the critiques about the X's and O's, the in-game adjustments. Those are things that get revealed in the playoffs. So the fact that, you know, four straight first round exits, I don't think you could hold this most recent one against him necessarily. Um, and I know they blew a three, one lead. I mean, losing to the 73 win golden state warriors. Right. That's another so one that best, I might not hold arguably against one of the
0: best teams <laughs> of all time. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so that i mean those aren't things that i'm gonna hold hold his feet completely to the fire for i see those critiques but I, I i agree with you I'm on the same page with you in terms of there are just so many bridges that the bulls need to cross before they should be concerned about can this dude get us out of the second round of the playoffs um i mean for next year i mean I'm not even i, I know there's gonna become um we're, we're gonna get to a point where uh you know there's seventh and eighth seed optimism you know run in the east uh in terms of the bulls Able to do that, I'm still not even there yet necessarily because I want to see uh, how what this roster actually looks like uh, heading into training camp and opening night um, next year, and I want to see how they play. I want to see how guys that regressed or stagnated last year kind of respond. Uh, so I, I just I think we should be a couple years away from worrying about those nitty gritty things and just having someone that's going to help build the culture that's going to give the Bulls um, kind of that reputational boost. I think those are enough pluses that this is a solid hire. Now, would you call it a home run hire? Would you call it, you know, I can't miss, you know, going to lead the Bulls to a championship hire? Maybe not because, I mean, there's only a couple, you know, people on this planet that you could really reasonably call that. None of them were available. Donovan was the best guy available. So um, when you put it in that context and you look at it, I think with the perspective of, you know, let's not jump from back-to-back 22-win seasons to, okay, we need to be thinking about in June, how is this dude going to be maximizing our title window? You know, that that's just not – that. that's a leap that I'm not necessarily willing to make um, in the first week of this guy's right. hiring. Now, in two years, if we're having that conversation, um, actually, I think a lot of people would be happy to be having that conversation in two years because it would mean that the Bulls have uh, stepped forward in a meaningful way. Um, but, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean – if, if we're I, complaining about
0: Donovan's late-game decision-making and a playoff loss in a couple of years, I will be thrilled –
1: uh, okay, well, we're gonna drag up this tape then when you are, because that'll, that'll be funny to, uh, to to bring back around. The I'll just have to remind greater. myself
0: to keep everything in perspective. Like we're no longer <laughs> hearing a coach tell us because I said so when asking when, when answering questions after another debilitating loss, um, or or asking beat writers if they've seen baseball movies. Um, uh, because you talked about culture there, <laughs> Rob. Uh, before we let you go. You, you know, I, I had to ask you about this. Obviously, since we got the Donovan hire, I've been harping about it on Twitter. Everybody that listens to this podcast or watches Outsiders knows my love of Joakim Noah. I know you know my love of Keem. You got the Donovan connection for back-to-back title teams in Florida. Keem disappointing that he couldn't get a, you know, last-second aging veteran jump on the ship ring shot with the Clippers, Clippers and their playoff collapse. The Bulls don't have a lot of flexibility. I know you've, you know, written this offseason about what their roster looks like, what their cap situation looks like. They do have a couple of qualifying offer decisions to make on Dunn, Valentine, and Shaq. If you think the Bulls are looking to add some veteran presence, I know they have Thad Young, but he cr- cr- certainly hasn't been like the locker room veteran leader because he's been unhappy so far in his one year with the Bulls. To me, Joakim not only just for my selfish reasons of loving him and wanting to, to come back, thinking about a mentorship role with Wendell Carter Jr., not only because Joakim is a former defensive player of the year, all-defensive team guy who could really even continue to help Wendell blossom on that, that end of the floor, but when Bulls fans have seen these glimpses of Wendell as an underrated and underused passer, and you think about the peak Joakim that played in a point center system with Tom Thibodeau you see that the way that Nikola Jokic not only scores but passes the ball as a dominant offensive big in the league today and in these playoffs I would love to see Joakim try and build some of that stuff out of Wendell tell me do you think the likelihood is that he comes back because he wants to reunite with his buddy Billy D and help this young Bulls team get back on the right track
1: well, I don't know what the the likelihood is at this point. I, I'm a hundred percent on board with all of that logic. I love it. I selfishly, I want to cover Jokic. Like, there's just so there's so many great um, things that could come of uh, a return to Chicago. I mean, I just think that would be awesome. Uh, I'm fully on board with it. Uh, the problems or the hurdles with it aren't necessarily the Bulls cap situation because I mean, Jokic no, he's a he's a vet minimum player at this point in his career. Right. So it, it, I don't think it would be a question of flexibility necessarily, but I do know, uh, the Clippers have him on a non, they have a non-guaranteed, I don't know if it's an option or they can just choose to guarantee or not guarantee it at a given date for, for, uh, the 2021 season. So, you know, if, if that, if they come to an agreement, there obviously it would have to be pushed, uh, for a later year, but if he hit the market, I mean, why not? I mean, I, I think when, I, when you're thinking about the ways that Billy Donovan might, um, in addition to the fact that he recruited Wendell Carter, that was one of the first thoughts that came to my head was the Joe Keem connection because of how you know slick passing he is um, and obviously the defensive stalwart that he was. It's a really easy analogy to make. It's a really easy comparison to make. Um, you know who I, I just can't poke holes in it. I think it's a great idea. And when you look at the comments Joe Keem has made and, and uh, my colleague Casey Johnson wrote um, wrote up a great interview that he did with, uh, with Joe Keem in the wake of the Donovan hire immediately after – I mean, Joakim's heart is still here, man. I mean, he, his roots are in Chicago. Um, he loves the Bulls organization. Part of the reason he was so happy um, to see Billy Donovan go to Chicago was not just to see, um, you know, what was one of his favorite coaches of all time, get a job. He was also happy for the Bulls organization that they got a great coach in Billy Donovan. Um, there was still that little bit of love in there uh, in Joakim, it seems like. Um, so, I mean, the stars are aligning. I'm totally, totally behind it. If, He's not a Clipper next year if that non-guarantee guarantee thing uh, doesn't work out. I-, I can't poke holes in the logic. I don't see why. You know, I think Nick Friedel called him a potential Udonis Haslam of the Bulls. Um, yes. I just can't think of a better person to play that role um, than Joakim. And it also reminded me that is Udonis Haslam still on the Heat's active roster? I mean, that's just amazing.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think he might. Be. He's he's there in the bubble. He's uh, and he's dressed on on some occasions. I'd, I've have seen him in sweats. Uh, and and I think. Uh, as recently as their uh, their game four win uh, last uh, two nights ago, he was there. So I, yeah, obviously, we haven't seen him on the court that, all that much. But yeah, when yeah. it comes to Joe Keem, it's like, I, do, do the Clippers want to keep him? Because Doc refused to use him, and I know some people think, oh, you know what, you know he's he's a thirty five year old vet, he's washed up, he's got Where nothing are left. Going? Where are you like, going? with this. dude okay with this? as the as the Clippers were <laughs> coughing up leads in games five six and seven when mostly it seemed that the thing that, that was causing them issues was their own lackadaisical attitude and their own lack of energy on the floor they were just going through the motions if there's one person that Doc could have thrown in there to jolt that team awake again it is Joakim I play every possession at three thousand percent Noah but no he didn't even give him a damn minute other than garbage time. Come on. Oh. Okay. I'll
1: give it to you. I'll give it to you. If Joking Noah is the difference in that series, if in an alternate timeline, he plays 10 minutes a night for the Clippers and they hold that three, one lead and they win it in five. I mean, uh, I'll give it to you, but you know, I- I'm not, I, there's a lot of things to hold doc accountable for. I'm not sure that that's one of them, but, uh, I I appreciate the fire. I appreciate that. I got (laughs) at least one impassioned rant out of you on uh, towards the end. You know,
0: I will always stand my man, Joe And I'm glad that you are certainly at least on board with the idea of bringing him home. uh, If we don't know whether or not it is feasible yet to happen. Uh, Rob, it's, it's (laughs) awesome to chat hoops with you again, man. It's been, it's been way too long. Um, Just want to tell our listeners again, just uh, what a, Excellent job you and everybody there at NBC Sports Chicago have done covering this team since the shutdown all the way back in March. Nobody, you know, uh, in, in the, you know, media in this city has done as good of a job as you guys have with all of the content that you've put out. Um, whether it was stuff for the last dance back in the spring or everything about this front office overhaul, the coaching shirts, the draft we have coming up. You guys are doing an incredible job. So if you aren't already download that, my team's app to get all of Rob's co- uh, content, go to NBC follow him on Twitter at Rob underscore Schaaf, and be sure to check out his appearances on that great bulls talk podcast with Jason Goff, Tony Gill and Casey Johnson, Rob such a pleasure man um, be well keep up the great work and uh, talk soon you too man it
1: was it was fun like I said uh, for all those kind words you and Jordan over here even though we we missed out on on, on Jordan for this one um, you guys are doing the Lord's work over here um, I don't have to tell everybody to go download the Locked on Bulls podcast because <laughs> obviously I already have uh, but I will you know I will parrot this podcast until my dying breath um, appreciate you making the space for me uh, like I said bucket list item uh, and yeah, it was great to chop it up with you you'd be well too
0: Alright buddy, uh, take care that is Rob Schaefer everybody and uh, what uh, what a pleasure another one down, another great guest here on Lockdown Bulls enjoy your Friday, enjoy your weekend we will talk to you Monday with another fresh deck of five episodes coming at you as we continue to break down the Billy Donovan hire
2: and here come the Nets with LaVert over the midcourt line a cut to the rim, oh. and the <laughs> Babu Camero threw it away <laughs> <laughs> he goes out of bounds. That's also going to be a charge. He had a NOLA pass. <laughs> I, I would love to. I would love to show him That
0: was horrendous. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was
2: nowhere near anyone.
0: Locked On Bulls,
1: a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to
2: stay up to date, head over to lockedonbulls.com.